Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this scripture that we are about to open up. Lord, I ask that you put me behind the cross. Let your words and your thoughts be mine. And if I misspeak this morning, forgive me and let your message be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Did y'all ever see that episode of Andy Griffith where they told Barney to sing real low and the guy was singing behind him and Barney really thought he was doing good? I was just doing that with you standing behind me. So I got my degree in sociology some years back. And, and if you read the, the, the description of that, it's the study of social life, social change, and social causes and the consequences of human behavior. So um, sociologists investigate stuff like the structure of groups and organizations and societies and how, how we all function in that context. Um, and, and I know that I studied it in my undergrad at, at Commerce, but I didn't really pay attention until my counseling and social culture classes at SMU, and I began to have an interest in family systems. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with family systems theory. Um, the, it, it, it's a family, it define, human behavior is defined as a, a family unit, as a complex system with, with each part interacting and, and, and such and such. Basically, it says that who we are now is because of who our parents was, were and who their parents were before them. Basically, we take all these little traits and characteristics of the people before us and, and we are them. And uh, Edwin Friedman wrote a book called Generation to Generation. He was a rabbi. And he uh, wrote from generation to generation. He was interviewing a guy, and the guy said, my, my 17-year-old son, he wants to move out of the house and get a job and do his own thing, and he, he's just not capable of doing that. He's not ready for that. He's not ready for life. And, and Friedman said, when did you leave home? And he said, well, when I was 17, but that's different. You see, we, we really do take on who our parents were and who our grandparents were. So it shouldn't surprise us when we see children living out exactly who their parents have taught us to be, taught them to be. So if you want your children to be honest, be honest with them, right? Tell them the truth. Keep your promises. If you want to see your children be kind, then treat them with kindness. Show them what kindness looks like. If you want to see your children be unselfish, place your needs before theirs. Model for them what it looks like to share and to offer their stuff to others. If you want to see your children be forgiving, then forgive them for crying out loud. Don't hold a grudge with them. God expects his children to be people who show grace to others because God gave us grace. He poured out his grace on us and our response should be to extend that to others. The Galatians 6, verses 1 through 6 is the sermon text for today. And it says, My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work then that work, rather than the neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride, for all must carry their own loads. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we talked about the many graces of John Wesley a few weeks ago. There's only one grace, but he divides us up. 
Today we're talking about more grace. You know, grace seems to be a common theme, and it should be. I was told once in seminary in my preaching class, if you don't mention the word grace in every sermon, you're not doing your job. So, anyway, if you, see, if you hear grace a lot, it's because that's what I was told to do. Um, and I always do what I'm told to do. So, so you know that um, the church is and should be a mixture of people. We should have a variety of people. It is said that from 11 to 12 on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. Still, 2022, it's still the most segregated hour in America because we all go to different churches. We have the black churches, the Hispanic churches, the, the Methodist churches, the Church of Christ, the Baptist churches, uh, Korean churches. Everyone does their own thing. And, and, and we're all aimed in the same direction. But we are such a divided group. We, but the church is supposed to be a mixture, a mixture of characteristics, a mixture of people. It's the way it should be. In this scripture today, we're given three examples. In verse 1, there's a person who has stumbled. In verse 2 through 5, there's a person who is burdened. And in verse 6, involves a person who teaches. And all three people are in the church and are, need, are in need of grace being extended to them. Considering verse 1, sin happens, right? It's going to happen. We are a, a sinful people because we are human. We're not Jesus. We don't claim to be Jesus, and so we have a sinful nature about us. Even a godly person is capable of choosing wrong at times. Otherwise, why would Paul have said, watch out yourself or you'll have the same problem? Paul knew that we were all struggling to be good, to be righteous. Uh, this person in verse 1 is caught, which could mean caught up in sin. It could mean he got caught by someone. Either way, it's speaking about someone who is guilty and everybody knows it. So we are called to extend grace. And while we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, while we were without hope or without God, God gave us Jesus and he gave us grace and he gave us another chance. He didn't just give us another chance. He gave us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. Because I don't know about y'all, but I continue to mess up. Every single day I mess up. But we should also extend that grace to others. The goal in extending grace to the person who has stumbled isn't toleration. Hear me, we're not tolerating them. We are restoring them. There's a huge difference. We're not tolerating anybody. We are restoring them. We are welcoming them back in. We are loving them into the family of God, which is what we're called to do. It's not our place to put anybody outside of the family. I know what Scripture says. I said, you know, if you've got a problem with someone, take it to them. If you've still got a problem, take two people to them, three people to them. We're supposed to continue to work on grace for people. We don't kick people out of the church. We don't run people off. And it happens every single day. It's not toleration. It's restoration. Hebrews 12, 11 says, now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it, right? It's always hard to, to, to be uh, called out or to be reprimanded. It's hard to be disciplined, but discipline is good for us. You know, they say that kids need discipline. Kids want discipline. I think they're right. I think kids do want discipline. Do kids want discipline? Absolutely not, he says. Oh, when you get older, you'll say, man, I wish I had discipline. That's what you'll say. But stumbled Christians can be difficult to restore, but we should prefer to restoring them rather than having them removed or abandoned. 
We don't want to turn our back and walk away from a, from a brother or a sister. And those who have received grace, we extend grace. There are some of, the, some of us in here today that are burdened. Some, some are single moms, right? Some are struggling financially. Some widows. Some want a young person that is faced with, with a decision that is about to change their life. They are on the edge of a major decision. I don't know what all your thoughts are or what all your places are in, in the world right now. But somebody is struggling this morning. Paul says, bear one another's burdens. We are called to reach out to each other and to take care of each other because, because not only do we love God, but we love each other. It's what we're called to do. That, that love should just be in us and, and fill us. Uh, the, the load that he speaks of here is, is a burden that, that, that we're to help with. It's one that's too much for a person to carry. You know, some of us pride ourselves on not asking for help. I'm never going to ask for help. I'm strong. I can handle it. Guys, I'm speaking to you mostly because we're the ones that tend to say, I don't need any help. I can do it. I don't need it. I'm not supposed to cry. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm just going to take care of things because that's what I do. I'm a guy. Oh, here. Uh, so, but a life in Christ calls us to lend a hand to those who need it. We get so tied up in ourselves knowing that we're doing okay that we forget to notice our neighbor. It's time to open our eyes, folks, and see what our neighbor is going through and what they need. We extend grace to those who are overburdened. Paul included in verse 6, explaining that God's grace should be extended to everyone in the church, from those who are in the pits of failure to those who seem to be on top of things, right? Remember those who lead. People in leadership, remember them. They need God's grace extended to them too. They'll disappoint you sometimes. I'm going to disappoint you sometimes. I'm just going to throw that out there. If I haven't already, it's coming. I'm going to disappoint you. But Paul says to share all good things with those who teach. Often that may mean your time, your hospitality, your friendship, or your love. You don't always have to agree with the leadership but you do have to extend love and grace. We're, we're pretty good about extending grace in this room and in our church family, but how are we extending grace outside the doors? Uh, Paul writes, let us do good to all men. That means all people, anyone around. What about those people that are hard to deal with, people that are not nice to you? That's the hard ones, right? When you try and you try and you try and they don't respond. I was telling them this morning in the early service, there's a, there's a preacher that every time I go to annual conference, I walk by and I say, good morning. And he just walks on by. Next day, good morning. He walks on by. Never. He has never once acknowledged my existence. Well, wait till I see him next time. Good morning, you know. All I can do is keep saying good morning. At some point, he'll either acknowledge me or he won't. But I'm doing what's inside me anyway. We continue to extend grace to people that don't notice us or treat us nicely. Uh, the total stranger. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard to go up to a stranger. Then again, sometimes it's easier if you don't know them. You can extend that grace then. Paul says, let us do good to all men. We're called to, to demonstrate God's love by service to others. Imagine what it looked like if the people of First United Methodist Church of Decatur were around town and, and somebody needed a door opened. Or they were at Walmart and you grabbed the bag of uh, the, the, the package of water and lifted it over into the trunk for somebody. What if we were doing small examples 
of service everywhere. What would that look like if we were all doing that? In some small practical way. In Matthew 10, 42, Jesus spoke of the significance of even just giving a cup of cold water to his follower. It's not insignificant. Any example of love is significant. It's doing good to people for people while we have a chance. Because ultimately some of those people are going to contact the love of Jesus Christ through you. And that ought to be a good enough reason. We have the opportunity. We need to make sure we're using it. It's said that toward the end of his life, Albert Einstein removed the portraits of two scientists from his wall, Newton and Maxwell. And he replaced them with portraits of Gandhi and Schweitzer. Einstein explained that it was time to replace the image of success with the image of service. Friends, we're all working toward a place where service is our goal. Where loving our neighbor is our goal. We're taking care of each other, bearing each other's burdens is our goal. We die to our old selves and we are born again in Christ. And the things that were once important won't be important anymore when we let all that stuff go. Paul in his writing was talking to people who were struggling with the whole concept of God's grace. And what it means to be people living in grace. The outcome is receiving God's grace and extending it. Let it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen.